Uh, If you have your Bible today, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 27, verse number 45. And as you could probably tell from that, that last song, we are preparing for next Sunday. We're preparing for Easter, and today our focus is going to be on the cross, and, and the cross is just such a, it is such a unique and interesting story because what we're going to see from the message of the cross is that Jesus ended up becoming victorious by first of all losing. Now that is totally contrary to anything that we ever, that we ever hear. I mean, it doesn't matter what sport you play, what game you might be playing, whenever you play a game, your ultimate goal is to win. I know some of you wouldn't let your children win at tic-tac-toe. I mean, that is just, well, anytime you play something, you just want to be victorious in all that you do. But Jesus takes, takes this, this typical desire that we have within us to win, and he turns it upside down on its head, and we see the story of the cross, and what we see is it looks as though Jesus loses on the cross. But what he does is he takes that loss and he turns it into a victory. Now, what I want us to look at today is, well, how in the world is that possible? I mean, how do you say that you can take a loss and make it victory? Well, that's why we're going to look in Matthew 27, verse number 45. And today, just briefly, I want us to look and see several different ways that Jesus turned losing into winning. So how do you do it? Well, when I look at our text, we start with this. Jesus, first of all, he won by losing when he suffered. And that's where we start with Jesus. When he went to the cross, there was suffering that was involved. Now, I want you to look with me in verse number 45. It says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing there there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. And immediately, one of them ran, got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Now, what is going on here is Jesus is on the cross. Very simply, what's taking place is there's suffering that's involved. It says that a guy grabbed a sponge, put sour wine on it, ran up and put it up towards Jesus' mouth. And this this sour wine, it was basically supposed to be like a painkiller. And Jesus rejected, he turned away from it, but but there's suffering that's involved here. Now, I'm assuming that most of you are a lot like me in that whenever you are suffering, whenever you hurt, there is something that you want to happen in the midst of suffering. You know what it is? You want it to stop. Am I right? I don't think there's anybody in here who says, you know what, when I suffer, I mean, just give me some more of that. I mean, nobody enjoys suffering. I can't stand it. I mean, I hate to be in pain. I I will do whatever I can in in order to avoid it. Uh, let me give you an example. A number of years ago, <clears throat> our church went to Haiti, and we, we go there every year on a mission trip. And so the last time I went, I was down there. Now, what I did not know when we were there uh, that particular year is that there was a dengue fever outbreak, an epidemic going on all over the Caribbean and South America. 
So I go down there, you know, do the typical stuff. We had a great time. We always do. And uh, I got back home. I was about a week later. I was at the office because I'm such incredible shape. I decided I'm going to uh, run home. And so I ran from here back to our house, which is like 35 miles. And so I was jogging back towards the house. And I remember about halfway there, I was thinking, I don't feel real good. And so it's kind of a bad deal here. I mean, I can't stop, uh, you know, and just uh, hope somebody's a hitchhike the rest of the way home. And so I just kept on going, got home, laid down on the couch. I mean, I just, I mean, I was exhausted, passed out, woke up, and I had horrible joint pain. My knees were killing me. My elbows hurt. And then I broke out in this rash from my neck all the way down to my feet. It's phenomenal. And it looked really good. And so I'm sitting there, and, and, and what's even worse than all of that is I had, I, you know, I don't get headaches, but I had the worst side, not side, head splitting headache I've ever had in my life. What happened was I had dengue fever. Highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. And so uh, I, I, what, what I did now, it was my fault. I went down there. I'd, been, I'd gone down there a number of times. And so I was so used to it. I was like, I don't need any medicine. And I'm like a native, you know, native, native Haitian. So I go, now, I don't do any of that stuff. I don't use bug spray, anything. And I'm the one moron that gets dengue fever. All right, now, I can tell you, as I was sitting there on my couch, I began to pray. When we suffer, we pray. Now, here is my prayer. Dear God, please just kill me. Um, that was, I mean, that was really, I, I wanted to die because I, su- I don't like to suffer. And so when it comes down to suffering, hey, you want to suffer or do you just want to die? Hey, just go ahead and shoot me. I wanted to die. So suffering, for me, victory is not suffering. Victory is never having anything bad happen in your life. And then I read the scripture today. And I see that that is not what Jesus believed. Jesus knew that for people to be able to experience life meant that he was going to have to suffer. He was going to have to go to the cross in order for you and me to be able to have victory so that we could be rescued. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I don't need anybody to rescue me. I'm I'm fine. Well, you're you're not as fine as you think you are because the Bible says all of us have been marred by sin. So the Bible says, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And you can agree with that. Say, yeah, man, we all make mistakes. We're human. Right? People make mistakes. People, People sin. We do stupid stuff. But it's really not that big of a deal because we all do it. Y'all, let me tell you something. It's a big deal. It's a big deal because there's a price that comes with sin. I mean, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so the point is that sin that we all do, it puts a stain on us that is so severe that it keeps us away from God. And it keeps us away from experiencing eternal life. You see, God is not just a loving God. He is a just God. And so a price has to be paid for that sin. And so this is where Jesus steps in. And Jesus steps in and says, for that price to be paid, he said, I will take on suffering so that my people, those who follow me, will not have to experience it. We're told in 1 John 2, 2, he, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice 
for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, the phrase atoning sacrifice, if you grew up in the church, you're familiar with it. Uh, if, you're, if you're interested in ancient history, you, you see all throughout ancient history that there were people, when they would worship other gods, they would make sacrifices of themselves to their gods to appease their gods. Now, this is where our faith is one of the places where our faith is totally different. Instead of us making sacrifices to appease God, what we see today is that our God sacrifices for us so that we might be able to be touched and blessed by him. Now, y'all, how cool is that? You know, God is willing to do that, and he's willing to do it because he loves people. See, he understands that on our own, we cannot pay our debt of sin on our own, but we have to have a mediator step in to pay the price for us in order to make it possible for us to enter into eternal life. Now, this is explained for us pretty well in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the idea here is that the path to victory involved Jesus giving himself up for us and suffering that we might win. How do, how do you win? By losing. Well, Jesus said, you suffer. He says, I will suffer for you that you might have victory. And we see that in our text today. And we see the suffering that Jesus experienced in his life. As a matter of fact, if you go to verses 45 and 46, it tells us that from noon until 3 o'clock, that darkness came over all of the land of Israel. And, and it happened, but you see what's going on here is that Jesus took on our sins, the sin of mankind, and God turned away from Jesus, his son, because now he was carrying sin. He became our substitute to keep us from paying that price. You know, in 1946, there was an experiment that was carried out by a scientist for the American government in preparation for an, an atomic test to be conducted in the waters off the South Pacific. Uh, he, had, he had done this experiment a number of times, but now they're getting prepared for it, getting ready to, to, uh, to detonate a bomb, a nuclear bomb or atomic bomb. And in order to do that, to prepare for it, they would take these uh, two hemispheres and bring them together. So it's you know, like U-235, uranium-235. They bring the two hemispheres together. And before the chain reaction, you know, critical mass happened, he would get a screwdriver. This is 1946. So he'd get a screwdriver, and he would stick it in there, and he would separate the two masses, you know, so there's not a huge explosion. And so as they were coming together, uh, he sticks a screwdriver in there, in order to separate the two hemispheres to keep that critical mass from happening. And as he did so, the screwdriver slipped out of his hand. And that was not good. And so the two hemispheres, they came together. When that happened, there was a blue haze that came up into the room. And uh, not knowing what else to do, I mean, he could have jumped behind a desk, I guess, but not doing that, there are other people in the room. He reached in with his hand, and he grabbed the two hemispheres, and he separated them therefore exposing himself to massive amounts of radiation. His friend was taking him to the hospital, and as they were going there, his friend said, he told him, he said, 
Leslie said, you're going to be fine. He said, but I don't stand a chance. Nine days later, he died in great agony because of radiation. But he did it to save the other people. And I thought, you know, in, in a sense, this is, what, this is what today is for us. Jesus has gone to the cross, and he's taken on the radiation of sin for you and me so that we don't have to be exposed to the penalty of sin. And he took it upon himself, and he died. You see, that's how by losing that Jesus won, protecting us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took the sin, he took the suffering, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So how do you, how do you win by losing? Jesus suffered. Here's another one. He also gave up. Uh, look with me in verse 50. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. You know, there's an old saying that says, you know, uh, winners never quit and quitters never what? They never win. Yeah, at, n- nobody likes a quitter. You know, you, you not ever watch sports, and if you see a team just quit, you don't think, man, if you're a coach, you don't think, I want my team to emulate that. I mean, you, you, don't, ever, you don't ever glorify quitters. Uh, when I was a kid, one of my favorite movies, I, I love Rocky movies. Um, I pretty much, I like everyone. They're, I mean, they got their, I mean, we all know what's going to happen. I love them. I love the first one's probably might be my favorite one. Love the first Rocky movie. He goes in there, he's a guy, a complete underdog. And yet he gets in the ring against Apollo Creed, and I know it's not true, but it feels like it is. And he's fighting the guy, and he's getting, I mean, he's just getting beat up, but he won't quit. We love that. And then I get to verse 50 here. What does it say Jesus did? He gave up. Isn't that weird? He gave up. To, to give up, it means that, that phrase very simply means to send away, to let go, to quit. He gave up. I don't like that. I mean, why did he quit? You know, it's almost like he's on the cross and he's, he's like, you know, there's, I, I, I give up, nothing else I can do. And that frustrating, in one sense, there's a frustration because I think Jesus didn't have to let this happen. Did you know that, that he could have gotten out of this if he wanted to? You might remember in the Garden of Gethsemane as the soldiers are coming to Jesus. Y'all remember what Peter did? We didn't talk about this last week. Peter, remember, he, gra- he pulled a sword out. He, pulls, he starts swinging the thing. Jesus, I'm going to protect you. And he's, he's a terrible aim. He hits a guy and cuts his ear off. I mean, he's lucky he didn't cut his head off. He cuts his ear off. And so what does Jesus tell him? Jesus told him in Matthew 26, Peter, put your sword back in its place because all who take up the sword die by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot call on my father and he will provide me at once with more than 12 legions of angels? How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Now, just as a side note, a Roman legion was made up of 6,000 soldiers. So Jesus was telling Peter, Peter, if I want to, I can call down 72,000 angels and they'll protect me. And I'm thinking, yes, we don't like quitters, do it. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it at all. I'm thinking, what's the deal here? Why, why didn't he call down angels? I mean, he could have cleaned house. But he didn't do it. The, the key is verse 54. If you, verse 54, Jesus said, How then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Jesus knew that for victory to come, he had to give up. He had to give up his spirit. The story 
of giving up is amazing because here's the deal. The Bible says that when we become followers of Jesus, we entrust our lives to him, it says you now become a child of God. You heard that before? Okay, so if you're a child of God, something significant happens to you. Now, what is that? There's a lot of stuff, but here's what I'm going to focus on here. Romans 8, 16, and 17. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, here's the key part. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Now, before you can inherit anything from anyone... What has to happen to the person that you inherit from? They got to die, right? So if we are inheritors of God, co-heirs with Christ, and we want to inherit what God and what Jesus give us, what had to happen? Jesus had to die. So when it says that he gave up, there's a reason he gave up. He gave up that you and I, as his followers, might be able to inherit Life. He gave up that we might win. So it was not death was necessary for us to be able to collect. Um, I I enjoy I enjoy I enjoy sport movies a lot. One of my one of my favorites was a movie called The Cinderella Man. Y'all remember that scene that movie had Russell Crowe in it. Kind of looks like me. Um, and uh, in the movie Russell Crowe, he he portrayed the boxer James J. Braddock. And James Braddock, he was a fighter. It's in Depression era. You might remember he was a fighter, but he um, he got he got arthritis. He was sort of disabled. Was not able to fight anymore. Tried to get a job. Couldn't get a job. He's on welfare, and it started getting bad. He's just trying to get food on the table for his family, and he gets a chance to fight again. And he decides he doesn't know what else to do. It's the only way he knows how to make a living. So he starts boxing again. But now he's he is fighting for survival for his family to eat. And he wins fight after fight after fight. And finally, he gets a chance to fight Max Baer, the, the world champion in boxing. And Max Baer had this incredibly intimidating presence, sort of like a Mike Tyson uh, of his day. But he had killed two men in the ring, and, and he would kind of use that to his advantage. And he tried to intimidate Braddock before the fight. And, you know, Braddock is trying to, he's trying to provide for his family. He's thinking, if I, man, if I get killed, my families they don't have anybody. And so he's sitting there in his locker room. It's, one of my fa- it's my favorite part in the movie. And I'd love to do the voice. I won't. Um, I'd love my wife to say this to me. She won't. Uh, but this is, what, this is what Braddock's wife does. She comes in there to encourage him. Here's what she says. She says, just remember who you are. You're the bulldog of Bergen, the pride of New Jersey. You're everybody's hope and our children's hero. And you are the champion of my heart. That's good stuff. I'm the, I'm saying, I am the bulldog of Blythewood. That's not what's going to work. But his wife tells him that. And you know what he does right after? He goes into the ring and he pulls off one of the greatest upsets winning. Now, now how did that happen? He remembered who he was. All right, now here's my encouragement for you. I want you to think about it. Who are you? Let me tell you who you are. You are a child of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God. You are, you are an heir of God. You have eternal life in your hands. You have the forgiveness of God, and that will change the way that you live your life, knowing that you are an heir of Christ.
And it will give you joy knowing that Jesus gave up so that you could move up in life. You see, Jesus won by losing because he suffered, because he gave up, and because he surrendered. Now, I want you to look with me in our final verses, verses 51 to 54. It says, suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had gone to their rest were raised. And they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, the things that had happened, they were terrified. And they said, this man really was God's son. Jesus had power, and yet he gave it all up. Now, for most people, when when you get power, you you don't want to give it up. You you get power, you want to keep it. You know, a lot of times, and it's funny, every time we have an election or something, there's so many people that tell me, the guy that was running for office, he is a different guy now that he's, you know, now that he's in power. You know, when you get power, you, you, wanna, you want to expand it. You want to keep it for yourself. And then I look at Jesus. Jesus had all power. I mean, verse number 54. What kind of power do you have? It says, this man really was God's son. Jesus had every reason to be arrogant. He had every reason for people to serve him and to do what he said. But Jesus didn't come here for power. He came here to rescue us. Matthew 20, 28, it says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And this was played out in grand fashion on the cross. You might remember in the temple, there was a special place in the temple called the Holy of Holies. Only once a year would a high priest enter into the, into the Holy of Holies in order to make sacrifices for God's people for forgiveness. That's where God's presence dwelled. There's a big curtain that separated God from man in that temple. We're told that when Jesus went to the cross... And he gave up his spirit. It says that that curtain was split in two. Which signified that man now has direct access to God. Because Jesus was a once and for all sacrifice for mankind. Jesus gave up his unattainable, unapproachable position as the son of God to go to the cross. He allowed himself to be taken into the hands of men to die when he had the ability and the power to avoid it. So why did he do it? To rip down the obstacle that stands between God and man. See, there's only one atoning sacrifice that could completely wipe out our debt of sin, the perfect life of Jesus. He's the only sacrifice. He's the only one that could do it, and he did it for you and for me. Okay, so what does all this stuff mean? What is Jesus suffering on the cross? What is giving up? What is surrendering? What what does that amount to? Let me tell you what it amounts to. Victory. It amounts to victory for you and me so that we do not have to pay the penalty of sin, so that we can be reconciled to God and experience eternal life in heaven. 
So when we talk about the cross, it looks like a loss, but Jesus made it a victory. And next week, we're going to see what that victory is going to look like. As we see that after three days in the grave, the greatest miracle of all time happened.